Welcome back to The Breakdown, an everyday analysis breaking down the most important stories in Bitcoin, crypto, and beyond with your host, NLW. The Breakdown is distributed by Coindesk. Welcome back to The Breakdown end of year extravaganza. So today I am thrilled to share an interview with Marty Bent. Marty is one of the most prolific content creators in Bitcoin. He has a daily newsletter of the same name that I think is just the perfect example of the one thought per day medium. He has a, a podcast that he does weekly called Tales from the Crypt with Matt O'Dell. Um, he's just all over the place all the time. And so I was super excited to get his take on the year. And a lot of what he talked about echoed some of maybe what we heard from uh, Peter McCormick earlier in the week, which is this idea that there is this storm brewing, right? And you feel it in terms of uh, this ongoing uh, tension around a trade war with China. You feel it in the um, inescapable reality that central bankers don't know how they're going to get us out of the, the QE thing that we've become addicted to. You see it in global discontent, uh, and it creates a very different and important context for Bitcoin. So um, that's what this interview is about. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please subscribe to The Breakdown so you don't miss any of this great content. But with that, let's dive into this awesome interview with Marty Bent. Here we go. All right. I am here with Marty Bent. Um, you know, so one of the things that I've talked about a lot is how interesting it is that in Bitcoin and in the larger crypto landscape, these independent media voices are shaping so much of the conversation. And I've often tweeted that I think that when it comes to daily newsletters, uh, just Marty is, is the absolute peak of that format, the one thought medium. Um, and obviously you do so much more, uh, so much more content than just that, but it seems like it was like a monster year for you. Uh, I'm really, really excited to have you here to, uh, to help us recap and look forward. Oh, Dan, I can't thank you enough. It was very flattering. Um, has been a great year. Uh, there's never nothing to write about in, in the world of Bitcoin, <laughs> currencies and geopolitics. So it's been a fun year. A lot has been going on. Um, like we were just discussing pre pre record. Um, it's been a, been a big year for us personally here at TFTC and then a big year for Bitcoin and in, in the world at large too. Yeah. So, I mean, we were just talking about this, but I'd love to hear, you know, first, I guess, just what you, what you think the, the narrative of 2019 was, right? Like when, when, the, when the story is told of this year, what, what are we going to look back on it as? So 2019, I think, um, in terms of Bitcoin, will be looked back as like a huge setting of the stage of the geopolitical landscape that leads to fundamental headwinds that will push people towards Bitcoin. So there was not, I mean, there's a lot of great things that went on in and around Bitcoin, particularly this year. But I think the biggest theme of 2019 is what's happening outside of Bitcoin in the world. And it seems like the fourth turning is hitting into high gear here as we have protests, um, jumping or popping up around the world. We have the UK leaving Europe. We have uh, President Trump yelling at Chairman Powell here in the States. We have an impeachment process here in the States. Uh, there are banks going down across the world, whether it be Lebanon, Turkey, Argentina. Um, and uh, so 2019 to me is just a huge setup fundamentally for a, um, again, a headwind into Bitcoin uh, because people will seek out alternatives as uh, 
the geopolitical landscape gets frothier, I, I believe, at least. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's been interesting to see, at least in, well, no, not just in the US, but on the global stage, like because there's so much going on and because Bitcoin is now a decade in, um, it's uh, it, it's unignorable, at least as an alternative that's sitting there, right? And I feel like we saw this a lot with the hearings around Libra is, you know, sure, most of the questions were uneducated or people just using their kind of bully pulpits to harangue Facebook and Zuckerberg about other things. But it, it did give us a, a much clearer picture of which set of politicians in the U.S. are actually thinking about uh, Bitcoin in particular, but the ecosystem in general, and uh, and who you know who we might ally with, basically. Yeah, no, that goes right into like the big theme of twenty nineteen is uh, geopolitics and uh, basically frothiness on uh, the globe, like on the global stage, right? And this year, Bitcoin sort of entered the conversation, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies entered the conversation and are at the table now. So like you just mentioned, the, the Libra hearings and um, other hearings that have happened throughout the years of, I believe, Melton, when Melton went to um, went to Capitol Hill to, to pitch Bitcoin as well. That happened this year, I believe. I'm pretty sure that was this year. Um, but yeah, so it seems like that's on Capitol Hill. And then outside, we also have central bankers uh, seem to be... F- posturing like they need to make a statement about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Um, so they've been forced to uh, put out an opinion on the subject. And, and again, as the uh, macro landscape sort of develops into a perfect uh, fundamental headwind for Bitcoin, it's also entering the conversation and uh, slowly but surely uh, going mainstream, uh, seeping into the psyche of the masses. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's been uh, – I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's been a, a really massive year when it comes to stage setting, uh, which I guess gets me into the, the second question, which is, you know, what what is it setting the stage for? What do you think when you look out across 2020 and, uh, you know, you can go as big, don't feel constrained, you know, to uh, – you don't have to make a huge macro prediction or anything like that. But, you know, what, what do you think um, – what do you think 2020 is going to look like, I guess? Insanity? I mean, we have we have the, the election going on. We have the Fed uh, currently ish or printing more money uh, than they did at any point in QE, other than the initial bailout of Lehman. Um, we've got the Bitcoin halving happening around May, and then on top of that, I mean, I don't see any of the chaos that's going on around the world persisting anytime soon. So, I expect that to heat up, and um, it'll be interesting to see how how bitcoin is affected throughout all this i'm honestly i I don't know how bitcoin will play into the larger uh scene in 2020 because i I go back and forth whether or not it's a short to medium term bullish or bearish headwind like we're seeing um like we saw earlier this morning it is reports coming out of Binance sort of launching ninja kyc on their customers when they're trying to uh, withdraw their bitcoin um, I could see that becoming more of a thing as uh, governments try to crack down on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular, um, as it becomes more of a threat to them. But on top of that, uh, and then the other side of me is like, ah, oh, do they really have time to to focus on this as uh, the world is in, uh, immersed in 
chaos, trade wars, Brexits, um, uh, uh, marches, and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's actually interesting. One of the questions that I ask sometimes, or I think about sometimes, is whether it might be a good thing to like to get. There's a kind of hiding in plain sight effect right now, right? Where although even even with Bitcoin figuring into these hearings, even with Patrick McHenry saying it's an unstoppable force, it still feels like uh, both the 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 context that you're describing um, is is so much bigger that that the politicians who could be truly antagonistic uh, don't seem to take the time to. And then again, even within the context of just digital currencies, you know, the big baddie slot is now, is now Facebook and, uh, and maybe that'll change to China when the digital yuan comes out. But do you think that there's actual uh, benefits to Bitcoin for its staying kind of uh, the perception of it being less powerful than we all know that it, what it, what it can and will be? Yeah, it's to this day been one of my favorite quotes on Tales from the Crypt from Bitcoin Sign Guys that uh, all coins, Fed coins, and all these alternatives to Bitcoin act as sort of cover for Bitcoin as it confuses um, regulators and those in charge um, as to what to really pay attention to. So the more Congress is focused on Libra and shackling them, the better off that is for Bitcoin, uh, in my opinion. Um, you only have so many resources, and if they're allocated towards uh, fighting a corporate coin, um, all for that. Yeah, now that's that's kind of how I feel too. Well, uh, you know what's for sure, I guess, is it's going to be interesting, and uh, I can't really see it getting calm anytime soon. Uh, you know, like there's certainly no outcome of the U.S. election, for example, that's going to just make things chill for for a while. Uh, you know, the stakes are raised, so um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, like I said at the beginning, for for those of you who aren't uh, subscribed to uh, to Marty Bent yet, and uh, who who don't listen to the podcast, I highly highly encourage it well nathaniel thank you and i will leave with one small prediction for 2020 all right i love it uh specifically i think that uh i mean as we're already seeing with the layer one and crusoe announcements in recent months i think we're going to see uh which is actually very bullish long term uh for bitcoin and bitcoin in the u.s i believe just a, a migration not a migration but a uh a surge of mining in the states Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that that's uh, it's something that I've been wanting to dig more into on the show uh, because it you know you, you kind of have this thing where you start to see patterns and uh, and it seems like it's um, it's it's jumped out of the realm of just like one random action, right? Yes, yes, it um, it seems to have uh, gained some traction mining um, in the U.S. at the end of this year, and I think that'll. That'll continue into 2020. Well, you know, if, uh, if the U.S. Congress doesn't like all of Libra's activity heading over to Switzerland, they can support the, you know, mining mining Bitcoin efforts right here at home, right? Well, that's actually why I'm bullish on Bitcoin in America long term, because the people who are most incentivized to get into mining in America are the oil and gas companies, and they have some of the biggest lobby mm -hmm. points. Um, so mm -hmm. if they are able to benefit from this, and they have very, very strong representation on Capitol Hill. I think that bodes well for Bitcoin long term. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I guess I'll, I'll leave with one thought too, because this kind of reflects something that I think about. I think about a lot. Like, there's this triangle of the people, corporates, and government, right? And when it comes to something like Bitcoin, which is this force, it's really like which two are against the other one. You know, I mean, theoretically, I guess you could have all three aligned, but that never is going to happen. And so I think that part of exactly what you're saying is that if you have this big, uh, you know. Uh, personal kind of consumer base of advocates and then you can get uh corporates you know or some segment uh, of powerful corporations to also be interested in uh bitcoin it creates a much stronger force uh, vis-a-vis the ability for government to come in and try to disrupt the flow of things you know uh, it's one thing if it's just like if, if oil and gas didn't want bitcoin mining because it threatened their interests, that's a much harder fight right because then you have corporates and governments aligned but if uh if we can co-opt some of that energy i think there's a a, a lot of power there yeah, and I'm very, very optimistic on that um, becoming a reality because the the, the problem with excess um, gas and excess reserves that need to be vented and flared for these oil and gas companies is massive, and it's something they need to solve, um, and they are highly incentivized to solve as quickly as possible. And Bitcoin amazing helps solve their problem. Yeah, I would love, I feel like, uh, God, I could just talk all, about this stuff all day, but one of the, one of the things that was, I think has been really cool in 2019 is I called it like, it's not exactly the right framing, but I called it like the productization of, of Bitcoin maximalism or just Bitcoin like focus in general, where, you know, it, it's not just a bunch of people on Twitter who are talking about it. You're seeing Bitcoin only businesses, right? You're seeing the river financials of the world and the give Bitcoins and these companies that are really honing in and focusing on this one particular ecosystem. And I feel like, uh, part of what you're describing too is there's been so many things that are uh, you know, theoretical, right? In terms of uh, Bitcoin creating, uh, solving problems as it relates to um, excess energy and energy capture. That uh, the more that we see, the more that we take those conversations out of the realm of theoretical and just get to watch how how companies uh, try to take advantage of them and exploit them, I think the the better for everyone it is. I completely agree. And that's the beauty of Bitcoin. It's just the incentives are so perfect that uh, it finds a way to help everybody out, it seems. Love it. All right, Marty, thank you so much for hanging out. And uh, everyone who's listening, go go go! subscribe to Tales from the Crypt right now. Oh, thanks, Nathaniel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for doing what you do as well. You bet, man. Cheers.